you have a Bible, we are going to be in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 19. We're in a series right now called Us For Them. The world today, it seems like it's us versus them, is it not? Like, it's us versus them. It's this group against this group, and it's just insane, the division and the hatred and the way in which we treat one another. And, and what's scary is you see it even coming into the church, that the church is now... People in the church are against people. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. Because Jesus is for people and we are for people. That's what this series is about. It's us for them. This is a, our anniversary series. Every year we look back at our, our core values to kind of recenter ourselves, re, to, to ground ourselves again and why we're here and what it's all about. And every week we say this, at the core of who we are is loving God and what? Loving, loving people. And that comes directly out of the great commandment that Jesus gave to us in Matthew chapter 22. Uh, Jesus didn't call it the great commandment. That's what it's just been called by theologians and scholars in the church over the years. And, the, and this is where we get, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And a second's equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. This is where we get our four core values that drive us as a church. And I want us to say these together because this is who we are foundationally. Hope for the heart is found in Jesus. Healing for the soul is found in Jesus. Peace of mind is found in Jesus. And purpose in the world is found in Jesus. And I love right now that all of our core groups are, are diving deep into this, looking at our eight core practices. There's not 10, there's not nine, there's not six, but if you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, there's eight things that, that will drive you to live out those values. It's one thing to say them, and it's another thing to live them out. So I'm really excited about our groups right now as they do a deep dive into that. Uh, 2021, uh, this year our word is engaged. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them it's time to engage. It's time to engage. Not just engage with one another, but to engage with our world. Engage, with, engage the world with hope and healing and peace and purpose. Last week we talked about how we are for hope. Today I want to talk about how we are for healing. These window, this window that you see here, it represents the ones that you see out there in the lobby that are hanging. Uh, we have a tradition here in our church and a practice that we've had for a long time where we write down the names of people that we're praying for that don't yet know Jesus. And then we take all those names, we collect them, and we put them on these windows as a reminder that as a church, we're looking out into the world. And we're looking through the lens of those who have not yet experienced the freedom that they can have in Jesus. So let's go to Luke's Gospel. If you're new to church and you don't have a Bible, Uversion's a great app to download. I read out of the New Living Translation. Luke was, uh, if you're new to Scripture, Luke was not one of the disciples, but he was a follower of Jesus. And he talked to all the disciples and many people uh, who knew Jesus. And this is the most detailed book that we have about Jesus' life. And this is one of these encounters in verse 1 of chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Become very rich at everyone else's expense. Uh, he was ripping people off. Boy, things just never change with the tax man, do they? <laughs> he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. 
So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and said, hey, quick, come down. I, I got to be a guest at your home today. Some of you have the song going through your head. You grew up in church, and you can't even read that. You're like, Zacchaeus, for I'm going to your house today. Ask them going. It's okay. I grew up in the house of God as a child. Some of you, you're like, I don't even know that song. I encourage you to volunteer in our kids' ministry. You'll be introduced to that song. So Zacchaeus climbed down, took Jesus to his house. The people, though, they were displeased. He's going to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, Hey, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, which he had, I will give them back four times as much. And here's Jesus' response. This is Jesus' response to you today. This is the response of grace. This is the response of mercy. This is the response of love. This is the response of our God. I don't know about the other gods. I don't know what everybody else is choosing to follow. But this is the response of our God. Salvation, deliverance has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Can you just say amen to that? He came to seek and save you. God, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the power of your spirit and the joy of this church and all of our history and all that you have done throughout the years. We are just, can we just take a moment, church, and so we look back at nine years, and some of you have a journey with this church much longer than that in much other, many different locations. Thank him for the journey. Thank him for the salvations. Thank him for the baptisms. Thank him for the life that he gave to you. Thank him for the place that your children can be nurtured and grow and strengthened in their faith that they too might grow and be like Benjamin and one day declare, I'm a child of God. Now, God, come to us and speak to us and open our hearts so we can hear from you in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. All right, you can be seated. Well, a few weeks ago, uh, Laura's car was having uh, some problems uh, the, I don't know if you have the, those little strips across the top of your car. You know, that's just a decorative strip across the top. And, and it had come loose, and it, and it was kind of flapping in the, in the wind. And so it needed to be glued down. And so I uh, pulled it on, into our driveway, and I got some glue and, and uh, glued it down. But when I glued it down, um, it just kind of kept popping up just a little bit, and I knew the glue wasn't going to stick. So I needed to get something heavy uh, to put on it to, so that it, it would dry properly. So I, I went into the garage, and, and, and I was looking around trying to find something heavy that I could put on it, and I, and I found something, I brought it, and, I, and I, I positioned it, put it up on top, and it held it down. It was great, and it was gluing, and I was like, in business. And I went back into the house uh, to go about my business. About 30 minutes later, Laura came running up the stairs, and she said, you need to come outside right now. You need to come outside right now. And I'm like, what is going on? It's, uh, it just need to see what's happened in the driveway. And I'm like, what is, and she goes, you just, you just need to see this. 
you know what I'm talking about? That, that, and so I'm like, okay, whatever. And I come down and I walk outside and I should back up in this story. So when I was in the garage and I was looking for something heavy to put onto the top of her car, I, I found a one-gallon uh, bucket of white paint. I walk outside, the bucket of paint is not on the top of the car. It slid down the side of the car. Thanks be to the Lord that it did not get paint on the car, but it splattered all over the driveway. And I was like, ah! And so we got towels and we were down and trying to, you know, scrub it and scrub it. And it wasn't helping. In fact, it was actually making it worse. Have you ever done that where you're like, oh, you're scrubbing something. You're like, no, come on, please. You can do it. Come on. Run away, paint. Run away. Run away. But as I, as I, was, as I was wiping it up, it, it wasn't getting better. It was actually, like, growing and it was, it was spreading. And, and as it was, but then I suddenly remembered that my neighbor has a power washer. And I was like, oh, Laura, go and, and get the power washer. And so she went while I was scrubbing and got the power washer. She brought it back. And, oh, my goodness, have you ever used a power washer? How many of you? Yeah, that's the power of the spirit right there, my friends. Like, okay, how many of you ever been to a car wash with the wand? How many of you have been the wand car wash? Okay, so some of you are like, I don't do that. I do the $19 wax thing that I go through. I never get out of my car. Uh, but it's like wand. And so I got the wand and, and, and I started spraying. Oh, my goodness. Not only, not only did it take up the paint, not only did all the paint come off, but so did all the grit and the grind and the dirt and the oil spots. And I was like, I had no idea my driveway was that color. And I'm spraying it. And if you've ever used one of these, it's the most invigorating, most amazing feeling you will ever have. Because you're like, and it's clean. And you're like, wow. Again, three and a half hours later, I had done half the driveway. And I was, it was amazing. It was amazing. What I didn't realize was the solution to my problem was right next door. Right next door. We have the solution that the world needs, and it's not a power washer. It's the power of God to heal the human soul. I'm going to say that again, and you're all going to collectively say amen like I just preached heaven up in here. We have the power of God, the power to heal the human soul. Amen? Amen? People's lives are a mess. I mean, they, 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 they've made mistakes, and then they, they, have, they have regrets, and they, and they get this heaviness on them, and, and they're trying to clean up the mess, and, and, and everything they try doesn't make it better. It just, it just makes it worse. <laughs> and we've all been there. Every one of us have been there. You, you've, you've experienced that where you've made mistakes and you have regrets and you have things that you've done in your past and you tried to wipe it clean and it just got, got worse. It didn't get better. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God wants to use me. Write this down. God wants to use me. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use me 
to bring healing to the hurting next door and nearby. God wants to use me to bring healing to the hurting next door and nearby. Those in your neighborhood, those in your workplace, those on your campus, on your ball team, the, 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 the coffee shop. When you came in this morning, on your chair is a card. I want you to get that card that has, it says, uh, us for them. Everybody grab that card and grab a pen. Everybody grab a card and grab a pen. What I want you to do for just a moment is all of us know people that don't know Jesus. And it starts with praying. So we, we do as a tradition, we, we pray for people that are far from God. I want you to take just a moment right now, and I want you to begin to write down the names of people you know that need the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose of Jesus. That might be a friend, it might be a coworker, it might be a neighbor, it might be a family member, I, I, I don't know, somebody on your ball club, somebody sits next to you in a class, I don't, I don't know. Write their name down. You may write down, it may only be one name. It might be five names, and you might have to take up the whole back of the card, I don't know, but write it down. But I also know when I say this, for some of you, you're like, Brad, this is it's kind of awkward, I got my card, I got my pen, and I can't. I can't think of a single person <laughs> that doesn't know Jesus. I want to challenge you and encourage you to write down the word neighbor. Write down the word coworkers. Write down the word ball field. Write down the word campus. Write down the word coffee shop. Think of the different environments you find. You Who is next door? Who is nearby? Write those names down or write down those spaces and places because God wants to use you to bring healing to the hurting that are next door and nearby. And healing happens as we engage. That's our word for the year. It happens as, as we engage with those who are next door and nearby. And this is what we see Jesus doing right here in this story. Look at verse 1 again. Jesus entered Jericho and he made his way through the town. Stop. Now, when we read that, normally we just kind of read right over that, but, but we need to, it doesn't seem like there's much there, but I think there's a lot there because what you have to understand about Jesus, he was very intentional about every single town he entered. Nothing was by chance or by accident. He was very intentional. He came to bring healing to people emotionally, mentally, physically. We see it throughout the scriptures, but the number one purpose for which Jesus came was spiritual. It was for the healing of our soul, to set us free from sin so he could Power wash our soul. Power wash it that your sins would be remembered no more. Though they be red, they are as white as the driven snow. Shame, guilt, condemnation, God remembers it no more. Amen? This is our God. This is why he, he came. In fact, in verse 10, at the end of the story, he says this. He says, the Son of Man came to, say these words with me, what? Seek and save. He came to seek and save those who are lost. Notice it does not say that Jesus did not say, hey, go and seek and save those from other churches and get them to come to yours. Awkward moment in the church. No, no, he says, no, I, I want your, my mission to be your mission. Jesus came to seek and save those who are 
who are lost, and he's asking us to be intentional as we make our way through the town. Turn to somebody and tell them, be intentional every day. Be intentional every day. Because we are not just a Sunday church, but we are the everyday church, engaging people with the healing that Jesus can bring. And he's asking us to do, be intentional at the coffee shop. Be intentional as you make your way to work. Be intentional on your campus. Be intentional on the ball field. Be intentional when you get out of your car and you're walking around your home and you see your neighbors. Be intentional. Somebody say, be intentional. We move intentionally. Because we are all missionaries on mission assigned to a mission field. Something we've been saying for a while now. All of us, everyone, turn to somebody and tell them, you're a missionary. You are a missionary. You're a missionary to your neighborhood, to your campus, to your workplace. That's why you are there. You are sent on mission. And Jesus was intentional as he was moving through Jericho. And in, in the crowd that day was this guy named Zacchaeus. It says in verse 3 that he tried to get a look at Jesus but he was too short to see over the crowd. Now, I'm a top shelf guy. Anytime I go to the store and I round the corner, there's always somebody going, oh, hey, hey, could you get that off the top shelf for me? You know the, the, the shelf that says ask for assistance? I'm the assistance. That's it's me every time I go, I go to the store. I love going to the store and seeing this because you see all the different acrobatic ways people try to get something off the top shelf. Uh, you, like you see him with a broom, doing that number, or you see him like, get on my shoulders, Billy. Come on, Billy. And they're trying to balance their kid to, to get what's on the top shelf, but, but they can't quite reach it, can they? Maybe that's maybe you're like, Brad, that's me. I'm not even going to laugh at that because that is me. But you can't. It's just out of reach. That's exactly how people feel about healing for their soul. It's just out of reach. Like, it's top shelf stuff. Like, only certain people can be forgiven. Only certain people can have their mess and their shame. And their, I have to deal with this because of what I've done and who I am. I'm a lower shelf person, and I'm never going to be able to get to the, to the top shelf. And this is exactly how Zacchaeus was feeling. And this is how people feel. So you and I, we woke up this morning and we were thinking about Jesus. You woke up this morning and you started thinking about Jesus. You're like, I, I got to get to the house of God. I'm excited about being in the house of God and worshiping my Lord and Savior. But the truth is that we have to remember is that most people in Tulsa woke up this morning and they were not thinking about Jesus. They were thinking about the ball field. They were thinking about the ball game they're going to watch. They're thinking about the yard that needs to be mowed. They're thinking about the chores that have got to be done. They're thinking about everything but Jesus. And the, the struggle here that we cannot forget is they're human just like you're human. But they woke up and they're saying, man, my life is a mess. My life is a mess. And the, and the one thing they're not saying is, I need Jesus. They're not saying that because they don't know about him. We are 40 years removed from people all knowing about Jesus. We're not that nation anymore, and we're not that city anymore, and it's time the church, we got to wake up to that. 
40 years ago, yeah, everybody knew about Jesus, at least been to church one time in their life or whatever, but then the next generation was raised up, and that generation, they, they kind of knew about Jesus, a little bit about Jesus, and then they raised a generation that knew nothing about Jesus, and then they started raising kids, and those kids grew up, and they had never heard the name of Jesus, and that's right next door. They don't know. They're not waking up and saying, I need Jesus. They're waking up and saying, I need a drink. They're waking up and they're, they're saying, man, I, I, you know what I need is I, I just need to veg out on something today. I need a vacation. I need a new boyfriend. I need a new spouse. I need, I need, a, new, I need a change of scenery, everything, but I need Jesus. And God, God wants to use you. He wants to use me to bring healing to the hurting that are next door and are nearby. Sadly, though, in this story, people in the crowd that day literally turned their back on Zacchaeus. Like, they like, I don't have anything to do with that guy. And honestly, with good reason. Okay, because he was a fellow Jew, and he was ripping them off. And he was giving it to the Romans who were oppressing them. And on top of that, he's getting rich off of that. So here's Jesus. He says, I'm going to go to Zacchaeus' house. And they, they're like, What? You, you're the Jewish rabbi, you're the Lord. Wait, what? They couldn't believe it. Look back at verse 7. But the people were displeased. He has gone, this is what they said. He has been gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They what? They, they what? They grumbled. Some quote-unquote Christians deliberately turn their back on people. It's not us for them, sadly. It's us versus them. Like, oh, that's, oh, you voted, oh, you voted for Biden? You're obviously not a part of our camp. Oh, oh, you vo voted for that wacko, crazy Trump guy? You're obviously not a part of our camp. Oh, 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 that you believe, you don't believe in Jesus? Oh, you don't, okay, I don't have, I can't have anything to do with you. Oh, that, that's how you're going to live? That's the choices you're going to? No. Oh, wait. That's your, that's your sexual preference? That, that's what you're going to do to your body? Uh-uh. I'm done with you. And they turn their back on the very ones they should not be turning their backs on, and they begin to grumble. May that never be said of us. This is, look, no compassion, no mercy, no grace, no kindness no Jesus, because that ain't Jesus. And anybody that's talking like that or acting like that, they don't have the spirit of God coming through them because that's not who Jesus is. I, I think many people reject Christianity because they've met some of us. Like, I don't have anything to do with it. This is why you cannot remain silent. Come on, turn to somebody, tell them, don't be silent. You can't be silent. It is time to engage we, we have the, the answer. We have, have the solution that can set people free, that can release shame and bondage and brokenness and bring healing deep into their soul. Don't be silent. Don't be silent. This is who we follow. Jesus never turned his back on anyone. In fact, the cross is the best picture of what? Of opening his arms. He opened his arms and said, anyone. Listen, are you weak? Are you weary? Come to me, all of you that are weak and weary, and I'm all, I want to give you rest. 
everyone. In verse 6, he calls him by name. He says, Zacchaeus. That's how you know he's Jesus because he ain't ever met the guy and he remembers his name. You're like, man, I got to get some of that. I can't. Somebody tells me their name. I can't remember it 10 seconds later. Jesus got the name before it even starts. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in what? Say it with me. What? Great excitement and joy. Zacchaeus is excited. The reason he's excited, he's been rejected by everybody. And now... I mean, he's like, like he's been rejected by his own people. He's a Jew, and the Jewish people don't want him. And now, now Jesus, who's a, who's a Jewish teacher, and, and, and we know as the Lord and the Messiah, he's like, he's, he's coming to my house? I mean, he is excited. I think there's two things that every single one of us want. Everyone, every, a universal trait for every human. Everyone wants to be needed and known. Everybody. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you need me. You need me, get to know me. You need me, get to know me. Everyone wants to be needed and known. Remember growing up and going to the, uh, the uh, skating rink? How many of you went to the skating rink? The, maybe, yeah, back in the day. Good times. I was talking to uh, somebody the other day, and they were telling me they could backwards skate. I mean, you know, that, like, wow, you're like next level. You can backwards skate. That's incredible. Do you remember that? Like walking in, remember the smell? Yeah. It wasn't a flower bar, was it? Wasn't a flower bar. Remember putting on those leather skates that were kind of moist when you put them on? Lacing them up. Mmm. Oh, they had all the fun. Remember the music? Remember the music, you know? I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Yeah, play one more time, DJ. I mean, that was me. I would always skate around and play it again. And they had the dice game, and they had, the, they had all the fun things. And then they had the couple skate. Okay, that's somebody who actually got to do a couple skate. I remember in elementary school, and uh, there was this one girl who'd show up every Saturday night at the uh, at the rink, and and she was I don't even know her name. And she, I just remember she was cute, and and I, and they do the couple skate, and guys. If you've never done this before, guys on one side, girls on the other, and so all the guys are over here against the wall, and it's the, guy, the guys who've got to skate over and ask, and 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 I remember sitting there, and they're, you got to go, man, you got to go. And week after week, I'm like, I ain't doing it, I ain't doing it, I ain't doing it, I ain't doing it. Like you got to do it, you got to do it. My palms are sweating. I'm like, and I'm like, this is the week. I'm doing this. So I pushed off and I just began to skate across the skating rink, you know, just kind of kind of just looking the part. And I skated up and did the straight stop and just tried to look cool. I remember looking at her and saying, Hey, you want to skate? And she looked at me with those beautiful blue eyes and she said, No. <laughs> And I had to do the skate of shame back. I'm all out of love, but am I without you? All my buddies over here going, ha! People are skating by us every single day, and they're saying, do you see me? Do I belong? Do I matter? I mean, what, what, do I... 
Do I fit in? God wants to use you to bring healing to the hurting that are next door and nearby. About 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, uh, we were, our church was meeting in East Tulsa. And I know for some of you, are like, the math doesn't add up, Brad. We're nine years old, and that's over 10 years ago. Again, we have a deep history that actually involves three churches uh, that have done something incredibly miraculous to get us to this point today. So grateful for all those churches. And so we were over in East Tulsa, and we were meeting at the Green Country Event Center. Some of you remember that. And I remember very clearly God uh, impressing upon me, speaking to me, and saying, I want you to go and walk the neighborhood, and I want you to talk to whoever's outside. And I remember my palms sweating because I was like, I'm not that guy, okay? I know I'm a pastor. I know I'm up front. And you're like, hey, hey, this guy, he just talks to everybody. No, no, uh, stranger danger, stranger danger, okay? I mean, I just don't like, it's hard. But I mean, like if God had, this, if that had happened, Laura would have been like, ooh, pick me, God. Pick me, pick me. I want to go meet strangers. I love me. Pick me. Because that's, that's Laura. She just loves meeting new people. I don't, but it's, it's, it's hard for me. Uh, can I get an amen from anyone on that one? Okay, all right. So um, I said, all right. And so the day came, and I was after church on a Sunday, and and I thought, that's a great time to walk the neighborhood, because that's when anybody who's out probably did, probably did not have a chance to go to church. And so I got out and I began to walk the neighborhood. And as I came around the corner, I, I saw a gentleman sitting on his porch. And God's like, I want you to go talk to him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, God, I don't know. I mean, I said, he looks kind of busy. I don't know if I want to interrupt him. And you know how you play those games, you know, all that thing you say. By the way, that's not the voice of God you're arguing with. That's the enemy who's coming to you going, don't talk to him, don't talk to him, don't talk to him. God would never say that. So I said, okay, I'm going to go across and I'm going to talk to him. And I go across and and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And he goes, hey. He's sitting on his porch. Hey, what are you doing? And I'm going, well, um, you know, just out walking. And, and, and I noticed, too, that he, he did not have uh, one of his legs was amputated at the knee. And, and I said, and I actually, remember last week I said, uh, be awkward, don't be weird. Do you remember that? Be awkward, don't be weird. So it was just awkward. And I, I don't know why, but I just, I, I just told him what I just told you. The whole story, like God said, I felt God said this, and then you're here, and I just said, man, that's cool. Well, you can, well, come on up. And so I went up on his porch. We started to have this, this conversation, and he began to tell me about the story, what was happening, why he lost his leg, and the pain and the struggles and difficulties he'd had in, in his life. And, and then I said, can I, can I pray for you? And he's like, man, I, I would love that. And so I prayed for him. And then the very next Sunday, he, he was sitting in the church service, and he began to sit in every service after that, recommitting his life to Jesus and becoming a vital part of our church. This is what God wants to do for you. Now, I know when I tell a story like that, you're like, well, of course, Brad, you're a pastor. You have the training. That's what you're called to do. I'm just an ordinary person. Can I tell you this? Again, we are all missionaries. We are all missionaries, and we are on a mission field, and we have an assignment. You have a field that you have been assigned to. God wants to use you to bring healing to the hurting who are next door and who are nearby. And it's not as hard as you think. We make it way too hard. At Core Church, we try to make it as easy as we can. Three things, write these down. Intercede, invest, 
in form. That's it. What does it mean to share the healing of Jesus? Intercede, invest, inform. Intercede, start praying. In fact, when you, on your chair this morning is a, is a card that looks like this, and it has our sending prayer on it. And last week I challenged you to begin praying this prayer every day throughout the month of September, and you get your head down and get your head up and see what God does. I challenge you to pray that prayer every day because if you're not seeing anybody, if you don't know anybody that doesn't know Jesus, I can back that up and I can say, I bet you're not praying for anybody. Start praying, God, help me to see my neighbors, help me to see my coworkers, help me when I'm in the coffee shop to, to, to do the right thing, to be the right person, to be the, the, the hands and the feet of Jesus everywhere I go. Just start praying every day and then just invest. In other words, do good, invest, invest in people, be for people. When everybody else is against them, be for them, show kindness. Like serve somebody. If, if you look over and your neighbor is doing something, go over and offer to to help them, just, just do good. Do what Jesus did. Jesus, he walked through the town every day, watching every environment you're in. How can I invest in somebody? How can I help them? And when the time is right and when the Spirit prompts you, inform them of the hope you have in Jesus. In other words, can I pray for you? Maybe share a scripture with them. Maybe share your own story. I don't know, I don't know how that's going to go for you, but I'm telling you, intercede, invest, and inform. This is what Jesus did. Jesus started with prayer. Jesus prayed. He prayed to the Father, and then he went about his mission. He went town to town, walking the town, just investing in people. Like, think about all that Jesus did. It was never about him. It was always about others. And, hey, how can I help you emotionally? How can I help you physically? How can I, how can I help you mentally? How can I help you spiritually? How can I help? And we need to be about the same thing with every interaction and every person. I mean, just think about for a moment here, like, how many of you on your card or maybe just you have, how many of you, show of hands, you have somebody in your family that doesn't know Jesus? Raise your hand. Keep your hands up. You say, I have a family member, and they don't. Look around. That's Wow. Are you not begging God that a neighbor will talk to them? Are you not begging God that someone will be in their dorm room? Are you not just begging God that a coworker will come into their life and show them the right picture of Jesus? Please, God, send somebody to them. Right now, somebody somewhere is praying that prayer, and you are the answer to that prayer. They're praying for their son, their daughter. They're praying for their mom, their dad. They're praying for their wayward niece or, or cousin. And they just like, God, please send someone. And God has sent you to live right next door. God has given you a job and you despise it every day. And God's like, wake up, look around. They're praying in Arizona and I'm sending you in Tulsa into that job right next to that person because you are that answer to prayer. God says, I'm putting you in that classroom. You don't like that teacher. You don't like that class. You want to switch the class. And God's like, wake up. I put you in that class because a mom over here in this other city is praying for their son or their daughter. And you're the answer. Come on, turn to somebody tell them, you have the answer. You have the answer. This is what Jesus did. Look at verse 9. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. 
not just salvation for Zacchaeus, to his home, to the entire household. That day that I walked the neighborhoods and I, and I met Eddie, I affectionately call him Uncle Eddie, he started coming and then he, um, he invited his uh, niece to come and his niece started coming and then his niece started bringing her kids and then her niece, uh, his niece started bringing her husband and then her husband started bringing her brother or his brother. And most Sundays, you see them, they sit right here on the, on the front row. It's the Rizaks. And I had no idea that day that, that, that I would just talk to some stranger that there was going to be this ripple effect that would affect an entire family. I want you to look at your card again. Look at the names on there. Because these names, they're important to you. You, you, you wrote them down because these people matter. I want you to envision, just get a picture and imagine that you start praying every day. In fact, I encourage you to get your phone out and snap a picture of this card because we're going to collect those cards here in just a minute so we can all collectively be praying together. But I want you to take a picture of that so you can have it and put it in front of you every day. But imagine every day you start praying for these people by name. Like imagine you start praying for people by name by name. And then, then you start looking for opportunities to, to do good and, and, and to serve. And just imagine that you're, you're, you're on your campus or you're in your workplace or, or you, you're, you're in your neighborhood and you get to know your neighbor and you start having conversations and you start helping a little bit and just showing kindness. You're not doing anything but other, just simply showing the kindness and love of Christ. And, but imagine you develop a relationship and you develop this relationship to the place where there's some trust built up. And imagine that, that person that you put on your card, imagine if they, they said, hey, you got a second? It's sure. And, and they start telling you what's happening in their life and start to unload. And, and that's the moment you have where you say, hey, let me, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And you start having spiritual conversations. Just imagine you start, they don't pray a prayer and ask Jesus into their life or anything like that. You just start having spiritual conversations. Imagine this goes on for weeks and months and, and maybe even years and years and just having spiritual conversations, seemingly going nowhere. And then all of a sudden they're, they're really getting these questions and you say, hey, you know what? <laughs> um, I've got a group of people that we get together uh, during the week and we talk about this stuff. It's your core group. And you say, we wrestle with this kind of stuff. Would you like to come? And they're like, what did I say? People need to be needed and known. That's what everyone desires, to be needed and known. Oh, I could never invite them to my core group or to my friend in my house. I just had to, you gotta trust me on this one, church. People wanna be needed and known. And imagine you say, I got a group of people. I'd love for you to come. And they don't take you up on it. But you keep talking to them. You keep having conversations. And then one day they go, hey, you said something about a group of people that get together. And what, what was that again? Yeah, we get together on Tuesdays or Thursdays or Wednesdays or Sundays. This is what we meet together. I'd love to come. <laughs> imagine texting your, your, your group. Man, 
you know who I've been praying for? You know how we've been talking about that every week? And, and they're, they're coming. They're coming to group. They're coming to group. They're coming to group. Imagine how, exci- imagine how excited your group. Can you imagine how your group would feel in that moment? You'd be like, you got to be kidding. This is amazing. Like, wow. And then they walk through the door, and you're there, and they greet them, and everyone's greeting them as a person should be greeted, like loving on them, caring about them, letting them know they matter. And you're like, this is so great. And your group is like, this is so great. And imagine they start having conversation after conversation and they come back week after week after week after week after week after week. And they're just talking, just having conversations. And imagine one day they said in the middle of a group, they said, they said um, hey, so um, I think I might be a Christian. I'm not sure though. What does that mean? And that's the freak out moment. Because you're like, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, you just have brain freeze. You don't have brain, I don't know, I don't know. I, I, does anybody have Pastor Brad's number? Does anyone have Pastor Brad's? No, you don't need me. You don't need me. God has put you there. And your group then begins to talk to him and say, well, this is, this is what it means. This is what it me- is meant to me. And this is what Jesus did. And, and this is what we believe. And they say, well, I believe that. I believe that. And then imagine you bring him on a Sunday. And just like you saw Benjamin baptized today, imagine that you're not sitting in the seats because you, my friend, are in the water. You're in the water because your friend is in the water, because your son is in the water, because your dad's in the water, because your neighbor's in the water, because that person that you couldn't stand in your class is in the water, and you're next to them. And you get that honor. You get the privilege and the joy of taking them down under the water as their beloved friend and bringing them up and saying, welcome to the family of God. Imagine that you, you, you walk, you, you, you look up and, and you look over and their whole family has taken up an entire row. That's what's at stake here. That's what God is inviting us into. The greatest adventure a person could ever be invited into. Helping our Father and helping Jesus to help others find healing for their soul. And it's right next door and nearby.